Because did you see the context in which Jesus spoke these words? What did he say? What was he talking about with his disciples? He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And I'm going to prepare a place for you because in my Father's house there are so many rooms. Does that sound like somebody who's trying to build up barriers? Does that sound like somebody who's trying to keep people out? Welcome to Tea with the Preacher, the message series from Fairfield Presbyterian Church in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Today, Sunday, February 12, 2013, Pastor Steve continues our series, The Great I Am's, with a portion of the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, where Jesus gives us a difficult saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The series of sermons has uh, been an interesting trip for me, maybe for some of you as well, as we have tried to, to get a better idea of the whole picture of who Jesus is proclaiming himself to be. Trying to get a better picture, a whole picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I have to admit that this is, I believe, and is the first time that I have ever looked at all of the I am's together. I guess I have studied them or preached on them or looked at them over the years individually, the different, uh, the different I am texts, but I think this is the first time that I have actually gone through a study, uh, looking at all of them together. Some more familiar, some less familiar. And today's is one that is probably the most familiar one uh, for all of us. It's one that we have uh, heard more often than not at a, a funeral service, a graveside service, uh, and so on because of its nature of being comforting. And so it's also one that has been misinterpreted or misused over the years in more ways uh, than we might even recognize or realize. But let's take a look at it together. In the Gospel according to John, in the 14th chapter, we'll read the first six verses there. And Jesus said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, how do we know where you are going? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May the Lord bless us a portion from his holy word. That is a passage that has been misused over the course of many years in Christianity in many different ways in many different camps of the Christian faith. 
And I do know that I have talked with you before about that little Baptist church that was across the river in Wyalusing and the conversation that went on back and forth between their pastor and me when I was a young pup fresh out of seminary. And the argument that I had with them was that they made the gospel into something that was absolutely exclusive, absolutely narrow, that in order to be a Christian, they would say you have to fulfill all of these steps. Everything from a gentleman having no hair that touched his ears, that's getting easier for me with every passing year, (laughs) but no facial hair, always wearing a white shirt and a tie and dark colored pants. You don't wear dungarees. You don't wear sneakers. You shouldn't leave the house without a tie on. The whole litany of things, and for women it was even worse. You had to have long hair. You couldn't wear makeup. You had to wear a dress that uh, covered your ankles. You couldn't wear slacks, etc., etc., etc. The list went on and on. And so what they had done was they had taken this passage and said that if you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to see him as the way, then this is the way that you can get into heaven. You have to follow all of these steps. You have to be baptized by immersion, etc., etc. There was a whole litany. It was a page about that long in order to be a Christian in their particular denomination and their particular church. But I've also seen it in others as well. Uh, You all know that I grew up in a predominantly Catholic town. David will tell you the ratio was 13 to 1, right, David? Catholics to Protestants. 13 to 1 was the ratio. Uh, At least it was a few years ago when I uh, saw the last census. And in that environment, it was always interesting because we who were Protestants were always treated as second-class people. That we were thought to be people who were not ever going to be in the heavenly kingdom. The best we could hope for is a, is a few thousand millennia in, uh, in purgatory, uh, you know, to, to atone for our sins of being Presbyterians and Methodists and Episcopalians and so on. And so it was an interesting way to grow up, an interesting way to understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. That they would take a passage like this one and say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And they, and they take it and they make it something that, that excludes others. They make it a, a, a barrier that keeps others out. And that's not what Jesus was doing here. What's my saying? Text without context is pretext. And that's what they've done. Because did you see the context in which Jesus spoke these words? What did he say? What was he talking about with his disciples? He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And I'm going to prepare a place for you because in my Father's house there are so many rooms. Does that sound like somebody who's trying to build up barriers? Does that sound like somebody who's trying to keep people out? 
says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'll be back. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a bit of an anomaly in this fact. The gospel of Jesus Christ is one and the same time the most exclusive word ever spoken, but the most inclusive word ever spoken. Because Jesus is exemplifying God's love for every single one of us. Jesus is God's self-revelation to us of what God's desire and intent is for every single one of us. So that, that when Jesus says, I am the way, he is trying to show us that, that this is what God's desire and hope is for all of us. That his kingdom is so large. His kingdom is so large that there are many, many mansions, many, many rooms, many, many places, all the different translations that we have, all of them speak to the same fact, that the kingdom of God is so large, so open, so welcoming, and that Jesus has given us the way into that kingdom. And he wants us all to be there, to be a part of that way. He also speaks to us of being the truth. And what he wants us to see is that there are so many shaky places where we can put our hopes and our expectations. And he is trying to say to us that he is that immutable, unchangeable, unmovable rock upon which we can place our feet upon which we can stand, upon which we can have as that foundation in a world that seems to be so shaky, in a world that seems to be spinning out of control, that we have that truth of who Jesus is and what he means for this world. And we can place our feet firmly on that truth and never be shaken. Because there are so many other places where we can put our hope and our expectations. There's so many ideologies and different uh, platforms and what have you that, that we might say is our foundation. And then a year later, we find out it's not true. Or a year later, we find out that it's not what we thought it was. Or down the line, we recognize and we realize that, that we had put our hopes and our expectations in the wrong place. And we find ourselves disappointed and discouraged and bereft because of what we have experienced in that situation. How many times in our world have we put up an ideology that we think is the be-all and the end-all, and this is the absolute truth. And then it doesn't take a generation or two before we realize how wrong it was. I'm thinking about our, our current debate about the races and what have you, and it goes back to our issues of slavery. And one of the things that I just will never, ever wrap my mind around is that the Christian church thought that it was a good thing to have slavery. I can't 
figure that out. But it was an ideology upon which people placed their feet. But it wasn't a generation or two generations or three generations later when you realized that ideology was sinking sand and would do nothing but destroy everyone involved in it. But Jesus is saying, I am the truth. I am that place where you can place your feet and the ground will never shake. I am that person in whom you can put your trust and that trust will never be betrayed. He is giving us hope and assurance that goes beyond anything this world could ever offer to us. He says, I am the life. And of course, we immediately think of the fact that that is a promise of everlasting life, that, that Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection has offered to us that hope, that promise, that expectation that death is not the end, but, but just the transition from this life to the eternal life. But he wasn't just talking about the future. He was talking about today, here, and now that he is that life for us, to give us that hope and that encouragement to get the most out of the gift of our lives that he has given to us. He has showed us the way to live, to live more fully, to live more lovingly, to live more graciously, to live more generously, to live more kindly, to get the most out of life in the here and now. Ironically, by giving the most of ourselves to others. See, Jesus is giving us this, this wide open gift. His word to us of I am the way and the truth and the life is not a small gate with just a, a sliver of a crack that is open if you can kind of sneak through there, if you follow all these rules and regulations and do all these right things. It is instead the gate of grace flung wide open with welcoming arms calling us home to be his sons and daughters, to be his children, to be his loved ones, to welcome us into that heavenly kingdom in the here and now and in the yet to come. For there are many, many rooms. There is so much space in God's love to welcome every single person home into that heavenly kingdom, starting with the here and now, but the heavenly kingdom that would carry us throughout all eternity. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No more hope-filled sentence has ever been uttered. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have flung open the gates and welcomed us by your grace. A grace that we have seen lived out in your Son, Jesus Christ. A love freely given. 
a love that knows no beginning and knows no end, a mercy that knows no bounds. Help us always, O oh Lord, to recognize that it is at one and the same time the most exclusive and the most inclusive words ever spoken. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Tea with the Preacher. To find more information about Fairfield, visit our website at fairfieldpcusa.org. Next Sunday, we get a hint at the coming glory of Easter as Jesus reveals, I am the resurrection and the life. If you like what you've heard today, we invite you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening app.